does Django suffer from premature ejaculation? We ask the good questions here on the Star Wars Skinny. Welcome to the Star Wars Skinny, where we give you the skinny on all things Star Wars right after we get skinny. Uh, today it's just me. I uh, To get skinny, I shoveled two inches of snow off my deck, which then it had melted and then turned to ice a little bit too in there, so I had to ice pick it. Uh, good natural workout. Didn't have to fire up the Oculus and play some Beat Saber. So unfortunately, you don't get to hear me sing Lady Gaga for this episode. This episode, you will get to hear me talk about some more Boba Fett comics. Uh, last last time we talked about the 80s and 90s. Now we'll talk about the 2000s, maybe the 2010s. See how, how long this goes for, because there was a lot of Boba Fett content in the 2000s. Attack of the Clones came out. We got Little Kid Boba. We got a lot of good, like, Django, father-son stuff. So it's a good time period. So our first comic is called Agent of Doom. It came out in 2000. It was written by John Ostrander, lettered by Steve Dutro, covered by Fran Francisco Ruiz Velasco, art by Cam Kennedy. So if you remember from the 80s and 90s ones, he was, like, he was the artist for most of them. Then letterer Chris Blythe. This quick issue uh, opens up with... An Asgagach prison ship. Uh, it's a race that's been enslaved and tortured by the Empire for years. Uh, at one point, they were rescued by the rebels and returned to home, but there wasn't a lot of them, and they weren't. It wasn't enough for them to survive. So, the last of his kind. Uh, this is years in the future. Uh, asked Boba to go kill the surviving Imperial torturers. This is like after the original trilogy, after the fall of the Empire, after the death of the Emperor. And Boba says, "Well, they're just following orders." And, but with the Emperor dead, the dude, the, the, these slavers are still slaving just because, oh, those were the orders of Emperor Palpatine. Um, so Boba's convinced, and he takes this job for this guy's all of his money. He only has 100 credits, and Boba accepts it. So in a way, he took all of this guy's money. Um, but in another way, he's like, yeah, I, I got to get paid. That's a theme that we'll see, I, I think, in the 2000s or the 2010s here. There's a later issue where he takes a, a bounty for three credits, so... You gotta pay Boba Fett. He's like a fairy godmother in that way. So Boba Fett finds these bad guys on Malakar 3. It's not Malakor if you watch the Star Wars animation shows. Um, it's Malakar. Uh, and these, um, these Imperials believed in the Emperor's vision of the galaxy needs to be cleansed of all but humans. So that's something we haven't really touched a lot on in canon. But the Emperor's he's a racist. Uh, he doesn't like the, those alien races. These bad guys, they found a blue lightsaber. Boba shows up. It doesn't matter that they have a lightsaber. He, I think that guy gets burned by the flamethrower. It's an awesome fight scene. Classic Boba stuff. There's this one bad guy that has a finger on a self-destruct button. And Boba just says, later, and leaves. And the dude's like, uh, what, what, what? And then he says, escape, hide, find you later, kill you then. Uh, and this dude just freaks out, takes his hand off the button, and that's when Boba kills him. Boba brings heads back to the client. He's, and he's like ready to show it, show him to him, and the guy's like, "No, you're Boba Fett. That's proof enough. You finished the job. I knew when I paid you." This is a good, short, sweet Boba Boba Fett story. Um, I think the real things to take away: the book of Boba Fett at this point is over, so we kind of know what that original season looked like. But Boba, when he was a bounty hunter, he did have some honor. He's like, "Oh, this race was enslaved by the Empire. Emperor's dead. Yeah, I'm I'm going for it. There's no repercussions of me crossing the Empire right now. They're they're weak." 
Our next Boba Fett comic book comes out in 2002, so the same year as Attack of the Clones, and it's Star Wars Jango Fett. It's a two-part series. One part is Jango Fett. The next part is Zam Wessel. This first one was by Ron Mars, art by Tom Fowler, lettered by Dan Jackson. The comic opens up with Boba Fett playing with some action figures. So he's playing with a Mandalorian, like a Mandalorian warrior that looks a lot like his dad, and battle droids, and zap pow nothing stops the mandalorian warrior i I found this to be really cute and it's kind of a callback to like original star wars you see luke playing with a a ship when he's in the garage with just the droids like yeah action figures have always been a part of star wars and the fandom and and in the movies and in that universe as well there's no cam owen unfortunately but he asked the servant droid when will father be home (laughs) it's sad because he's just home alone playing with his action figures while dad's out in danger hunting bounties being the best in the galaxy we cut to Django. He's hired to kill somebody. He goes, kills the guy, comes back, and his bounty boss is dead. And then Zam Wessel's in the corner. And they have a little standoff, and they kind of learn that Zam killed his bounty boss because her bounty boss took a hit out on his, and he yeah they they killed each other's bounty bosses, and neither of them are going to get paid. So they're having the standoff. There's a quote from Zam that says, "I'm intimately familiar with that fast draw of yours, Django." So, hold up. Are they an item, and does Django suffer from premature ejaculation? We ask the good questions here on the Star Wars skinny, and I'll be happy to give you the skinny. On the real reason that Django needed Kaminoans and cloners to create uh, offspring for him. Happens to, happens to a lot of men. Then Django comes home. Boba's still there playing with his toys. He made no money, so it's like Dad coming home after a bad day of work. But he plays along with Boba for a minute, and they play starships. Django gets called about another job, and it's like a big money job that he really needs, so he takes the job. Then Boba says, does that mean you can't play starships anymore? And he says, no, and he, he makes the time. He makes the time and plays. It's really cute, the Boba and Django relationship. We then get to see what that next job is, because that ties in with the next story, the, the Zam Wessel story. Django's playing Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Django, if you will. He steals an artifact from, like, a Force-sensitive race. Zam is there. She tries to hijack the job, but then gets attacked by a monster. Django is, like, leaving with the artifact. He's, like, ready to go, and then he, he turns around and helps her. So there's a relationship there, um, and probably a sexual one. To get more about Zam, we turn to the next issue, which is called Star Wars Zam, Zam Wessel, by Ron Mars, art by Ted Nyphen, colored by Dan Stewart, and the Digital Chameleon. I hope that's somebody's name and not a company, because that, that's I want to be known as the digital digital chameleon. We open up with Boba and Django again. They're playing catch in the rain. Zam's there. The ball rolls away, and Zam picks it up. And then Boba goes, "Dad, there's a lady here." Like, "Dad, Tonwee's here." Uh, Django introduces them. Uh, Django then sends Boba inside. It's revealed that Django, I guess, doesn't tell Zam about everything uh, because she asks, like, "Oh, where's where's his mother?" Like. Again, they're very flirty. Like it's like, oh, I th- I thought you were single. Oh no, you have a son. Like, and he's like, oh, it's complicated. I don't know. I I, I ship it. I don't know if I shipped it after uh, Attack of the Clones because all we saw is Django killing Zam. He's like, don't no no failures this time. And then she goes and fails, and then he snipes her with a Kaminoan saber dart from Dem Cloners. It's the funny little cuts on the side that give it away. 
So Zam is here to tell Django that artifact that they stole from those Force Sensitives back in Django's comic was like a forcey super weapon that could destroy Coruscant and that they had delivered it to a bad guy. Django's like, well, not my problem. My son needs me. But Zam's like, well, how many sons are on Coruscant? So that really gets gets to Django because Django was an orphan. Um, he's like, I don't know what would have happened if someone hadn't come along and saved me. Django was an orphan. Boba was orphaned. The Mandalorian is an orphan. Grogu's an orphan. These Fets, these Mandalorians, really all tied together. It's it's quite quite a, a fun, not a fun parallel that they're all orphans. There's a lot of orphans in Star Wars, outside of just the Fets and the Djarins. Dinjarin? Is Grogu a Jarin? Is it Grogu Jarin? The story for this comic is kind of forgettable, but Yariel Poof, the big Q-tip looking head Jedi is in it and uh, he gets a moment to shine. There's a little kid that looks a lot like Ochi of Bastoon, and then all of a sudden a Rancor is saving him from, like, street thugs, and it was really a force-projected Rancor that was created by Yariel Poof. It was kind of fun. At one point, Zam has changed into a Doug, like Sabulba. Ah, Poodoo. Yariel Poof, when he's fighting these, like, terrorists that are trying to destroy Coruscant, he has a really long lightsaber hilt. And I wonder if that's just because he's so tall. Like, Yoda has a really short one because he's so short. Yariel Poof has a really big one because he's so tall. Poof is like, he got stabbed or something, and he's diffusing this artifact as he, as he dies. So spoilers if you're a big Poof stan. This is the end of Yariel Poof in Legends. But we have not seen his end in canon, so the Poofinator could still be alive. And he'll be in Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Then we get back, and there's a big old Boba hug between Django and Boba. And it's in the rain, and it's real cute. And, oh, I, I love all of this... Django and Boba stuff, and I hope you do too, because there's a lot more comics of that. The next comic series is Star Wars Empire, which started its run in 2002 as well. Which, I know, Star Wars likes to reset every couple years, getting issue number one. All comics like to do that to get more sales, but really focused around Darth Vader. Issue number four, written by Scott Alley, introduces Boba Fett. There's a group of low-level bounty hunters. They're plotting to take out Vader on behalf of the Rebels. Boba's there. Doesn't seem to agree with it, but kind of like goes along, you know, see if, I mean, if they succeed in killing Vader, I'm sure he's going to get a cut. When he realizes that Vader's destroying them, he kind of turns and helps Vader kill him, kill the rest. Boba's present when a young woman shows up and asks Vader to train her as a Sith, says she knows something's unfulfilled in him, that Vader wants to overthrow Palpatine. Boba's there for all of this. Vader then just kills this lady and accuses Boba of only siding with him because of the odds. This really... I don't know, it, it sounds like there's bad blood between Vader and Boba, but I kind of read this as it's building loyalty but with Vader. Like, Boba Fett has this relationship with Darth Vader, not necessarily the Empire as a whole, not Palpatine. He has the secret of Vader's now that Vader has allowed him to keep. Vader didn't kill Boba, he just killed this, this girl. So there's some sort of rapport between those two. Issue number seven is created by the Dream Team. It's written by John Wagner, art by Cam Kennedy. The Empire is scorching a planet as retaliation for the Death Star. Boba scours the battlefield looking for a bounty on a rebel, uh, like a brother of an Imperial governor. Right, so Boba brings this rebel brother to the Imperial brother, and then the Imperial brother can't pay. So Boba just like steals his necklace and then walks out. So the brother and the Imperial then just fight. I think the rebel ends up winning, but all the other rebels are like, yeah, this Boba Fett, he, he doesn't care. He's, he's got no feelings, no interest other than the price on another man's head. They have something, like, worth living and dying for. Boba just, yeah, when there's no money, he's out. This is, like, a critical moment for this planet where 
the rebels are fighting the empire and like the leaders of them are fighting whoever wins is going to control the planet boba does not care at all he's out we see something really different in the book of boba fett uh he's on tatooine he's in mos espa it's one city on one planet and he's taking a stand the drug trade is not going to come through here the pikes are not going to throw their weight around he's picking a side and he's picking on the side of probably the rebels like the the rebellion against tyranny and against slavery and everything the pikes stand for so it's really cool to see this growth from boba fett we then don't see boba fett until issue number 28 which this one's written by ron mars an imperial admiral hires boba to destroy his his star destroyer because like his star destroyer was there's contraband cargo and there are aliens that are ripping it apart so he's like ah just destroy it there's a secondary mission that he's got to go in there and get this hollow recording that he saved of his girlfriend very cute um and then when boba gets back after doing all this hard work the imperial's like i don't have any money and then he plays his little hollow recording sees his girlfriend one last time and he's like yeah just wanted to see her again and he knows boba fett's reputation boba fett kills the guy so if you don't pay boba you're gonna die so I love that through line with all of these these comics. Like, if you cross Boba, if you get in the way of him and his money, you're going to die. He's not going to kill innocent civilians just for fun, like how I thought Boba Fett might be portrayed in these comics. The next comic is in 2006, and it's another Boba Fett mainline comic called Boba Fett Overkill. Just one issue. It's written by Thomas Andrews, art by Francisco Ruiz Velasco, lettered by Michael David Thomas, and art by Adam Hughes. This one takes place between episode 4 and 5. We're on Trosca, and it's a backwater planet with an imperial outpost and uh, a refinery run by the Kyber royal family. So, Kyber crystals? Like, why are they called the Kyber royal family? Is, is, is that why they're called Kyber crystals? Is there a family that mined them and had, like, a monopoly on it? And interesting lore that I don't think Star Wars has elaborated on. Maybe the Legends continuity has. I can dig more. But uh, this this Imperial outpost is where military careers go to die. So there's a lot of just washed up Imperials here. There is one or two uh, ambitious ones that hire Boba Fett to destroy the, or to mess with the royal family, the Kyber royal family, and get things moving because they're like refusing to, to work for the Empire or something. Uh, and they don't think their superior officer is doing a good enough job. So Boba Fett shows up and he wipes the place out. Like I think the the king or whatever the royal the royal king survives. Boba overkill. That's why it's called overkill. Like you don't hire Boba Fett to do this simple of a job. The king of Kyber, as he's called, uh, accuses the Imperials of sending this Mandalorian com- commando, and then the, the Imperial guy denies it because he didn't do it. It was his underlings. Basically, they all just kill each other. Boba's there, kind of fighting for both sides, making sure he gets paid. Then the whole thing gets blamed on the Imperial commander, and then the guy that hired Boba ends up getting promoted. So it sounds like he knew all along that Boba would be overkill. He chose the right tool for the job. But Boba asks him, like, why did you have me destroy the refinery? Like, for just pure power, political power. Like, you could have been rich if you took over the refinery and just took a cut. Boba says he would have taken the credits... And then tells the guy, a lot of enemies come with that power that you've just inherited. A lot of wealthy enemies willing to do whatever, hire whomever it takes to bring you down. See you around. Like, someone's going to hire me to take you out. Just letting you know that I'll be back, I'm sure. Which This is an interesting reflection point because we now see Boba Fett looking for political power or looking for power within a community on Tatooine. It's meant to intimidate in this sense, but now it's really turned on its head. 
the 2010s open up with a really interesting like multimedia Star Wars project. So the video game The Force Unleashed came out, like the first one, a couple years earlier, and then they made a sequel, The Force Unleashed 2. This comic book is like an adaptation of The Force Unleashed 2, but it's all from Boba Fett's perspective. So those video games are from like your Darth Vader's apprentice, you've got two lightsabers, you're kind of, I think you join the rebellion, you're fighting against Darth Vader for a while, in the second one you're a clone of that original character. It's wild stuff, and Boba Fett's He's in that second one, like, for, like, one scene. But apparently, from the comic book perspective, they're like, yeah, this will be more interesting if we just center it around Boba Fett. So this came out in 2010. It's written by Hayden Blackman. Art was done by Omar Francia and Manuel Silvia and colored by Diego Rodriguez, lettered by Michael Heisler as well. So this is six months before Star Wars. Rebellion is young. It was recently formed by, by Vader's apprentice, Starkiller, in The Force Unleashed 1. So in Legends continuity, the Rebellion was formed by Darth Vader's apprentice. So I'm so glad we don't live in that timeline any longer. Uh, there's a clone of Starkiller. Vader hi hires Boba to find him because he had broken out of Kamino. That's the first, I think that's your tutorial level in The Force Unleashed 2. So it opens on Narshada. So I think that's a hut controlled planet. There's a blue-haired lady in like a toga or like a bedsheet. She's standing on a balcony flirting with somebody. You find out it's Boba. He's broke. He's slumming it with uh, this this lady, Sasha, spelled with an X, so X-A-S-H-A. -S Vader calls with a bounty on a Jedi. Boba takes it instantly. He must be down on his luck, needing some money. Um, Boba suits up and invites Sasha to join him. They then closely follow the events of the video game they find the wreckage of a big fight on Cato Nemoidia, which is the Neomoidian Newt Gunray planet. Uh, she can't do that! Shoot her! Or something! That guy. Uh, they dig through the rubble. Uh, Zasha has a, like, a cool outfit. She has like a clone helmet that she's kind of made her own. Uh, so they're digging. The monster's not dead. This monster that you fight in the Force Awakens, or the Force Unleashed video game with Starkiller. It apparently had two hearts, so we gotta fight it again. Boba kills it by shooting a rocket at a weak spot. I think it's heart. Shooting a rocket at that spot and then flying through it. It was pretty cool. Uh, Zasha leaves. Uh, she says, she says, oh, it was too much. And then there's a heartfelt goodbye. So Boba has a heart and he has had relationships in the past. Um, maybe a history of dating sidekicks. So season two, if uh, Fennec and Boba hook up, say that you heard about something that happened in a comic book from 2010 that... Uh, was the precedent for that. Yeah, next uh, we go to Camino. Boba walks in on Vader uh, watching old security footage uh, of the clone Starkiller's escape. I guess he could have been looking at uh, other other security footage, maybe some Padme security footage. Um, he This is how he learns that Starkiller is a clone. Vader calls this clone, the Star Starkiller, a failed experiment. So, oof, Boba's sitting there as a clone, like, oh, okay. Uh, Boba's tasked with kidnapping Starkiller's girlfriend and bringing her to Kamino. So if that's his job, we want to lure Starkiller back to Kamino for a big fight. And that's, that's how Force Unleashed ends. So while he's at this cloning facility on Kamino, he confronts a cloner who's not Kaminoan, which is interesting. So if you've watched The Bad Batch, um, spoilers for The Bad Batch, but uh, they kind of phase out those Kaminoans uh, 
the Empire is very racist, as we found out in some of these Legends comics. The, Emp the Emperor doesn't care for alien races. Cloner says that accelerating those Jedi clones from infant to adult in two weeks drives them insane. Good thing there's always another batch, though. I'm sure we'll get it right eventually. And Boba's, of course, wearing a helmet, but you can tell he's just pissed off. He's like, yeah, these, these clones, they're being treated inhumanely, just grown in two years and treated like experiments. He's starting to fester a little bit. Doesn't kill the guy, though. Uh, then he gets in Slave 1. He captures a mechanic that works for the Rebellion, tortures him for info, but then lets him go. I'm not getting paid for your scalp. Uh, so he has a heart. He's letting people go sometimes. Uh, this guy didn't do anything against him, though. It's just like, yeah, he had info. I'm going to torture him. I would call that crossing him, though. Like, if Boba Fett came up and you didn't give information willingly and you had to, like, resort to torture, I feel like he would kill you. But, hey, he's a good guy sometimes. He then finds a rebel ship, uh, captained by Juno Eclipse. So that's Starkiller's girlfriend from those games. Uh, and then his his crew disables and boards it. And it... It has, like, rebel troopers, like, staring down a hallway, like, at, at a door that's about to be opened. I'm like, oh, crap, are we about to get, like, a Boba Fett hallway scene? Like, our Darth Vader hallway scene in Rogue One, or our Luke Skywalker hallway scene in Mandalorian Season 2? And, uh, no, some droids just came through Boba's goons. But if this would have been created after 2015, you know they would have. Now they're on Slave 1 again. Juno's begging Boba to spare Starkiller. Boba says he's just an insane clone who thinks he loves you. Um, Boba leaves to pilot the ship, uh, but then it kind of focuses on him, and you can see, even with that helmet, he looks perplexed. He's like, he's got his, like, fist up to his helmet. He and Starkiller are more alike than, than he originally thought. So then we cut to Vader, Boba's there, he gives Juno to him, demands payment at this point, but then Vader dangles an exclusive contract in front of him and says, Hey, if you capture Starkiller, Boba says, okay, but I also want right of refusal, negotiable rates, and... All expenses covered. So, again, all of this is very money-centric. Like, he's going to refuse some jobs. Like, if it's a really hard job, something that's going to get him killed, he's not going to take it. And then everything else is about the money. But this brings up a big difference between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. So, recently, spoilers for the book of Boba Fett, but we see Cad Bane again. And in doing research for a Cad Bane episode, I'm really seeing he doesn't turn down any job. As long as he's getting paid... Like, he's going to demand, like, triple the triple his usual fee, uh, but Cad Bane's going to do the job. He's going to bomb the Senate building. He's going to uh, break into the Jedi Temple and steal Holocron. Like, the most dangerous of jobs that a bounty hunter could do. As long as he's getting paid handsomely, he doesn't care. Trying to assassinate the Emperor or assassinate the Chancellor. Like, Cad Bane is a bad dude, and I think this is one way that he differs from Boba. Like, Boba's going to turn down some jobs. Cad Bane is not. Juno then threatens to Boba that Vader will hunt Boba down one day. And then Boba says, if so, the galaxy's big. Lots of places for a rich bounty hunter to hide. So, like Vader's home planet of Tatooine? Come on, Boba, you can hide better than that. That's why you're on Tatooine. Does he know in the Book of Boba Fett that Darth Vader's dead? Maybe in the Book of Boba Fett he does, but in that original like flashback time, I don't think he knew anything. He's living with the Tuscans. He didn't know that Jabba was dead. He didn't know that Darth Vader was dead, that Emperor was dead. We see when he's flying around in Mando Season 2 and Slave 1 and the tragedy when they see Moff Gideon's ship and he's like, the Empire's back. He's surprised. He knew that they were gone. So maybe he did know that Vader was dead. So he was like, okay, now I can go to his home planet. Boba then fights the rebels. Um, 
he flees into the cloning facility when a Jedi shows up with him. Jedi Rom Coda, which is a cool character from those games. You never get to play as him, but he's kind of like your, your Jedi Master once you leave Darth Vader. Uh, the cloner frees the insane clothes to cover his own escape. And then they're like insane like Sith clones that are attacking Boba. I think one of them injures him. So he fights off all these clones. Boba realizes that some of the clones in there are Jango's. They look like Jango and not like Starkiller. So he holds the cloner at plaster point and says, These are my father's legacies. I'm not letting you leave them this way. But then the cloner says, like, No, those aren't Jango clones. Those are your clones. Vader hired his girlfriend, Zasha, to take a hair sample from him. Boba gets pissed, kills the cloner. And then he flamethrows all of his clone children. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm not letting you live a life like these Starkiller clones that I just had to kill. Or you're, they're insane and they're just being bred for violence. He's like, no, burns them all down. So we've seen him have bad feelings towards, like, Jango's clones in the Clone Wars. I don't think it's like, I must kill them on sight kind of thing, but Jango and Bulba, like, both kind of aren't super comfortable with the cloning thing. Even Jango, we'll find out in one of these, that he did the job for the money and for his son. Apparently he needed a, a son that was just like him, but, like, he did it for those reasons. When he had to see any clones day to day, he was kind of put off by it. He's like, no, these are Kaminoan creations. They're not mine. Sequestered that in his memory. Like, he didn't want to think about it. He didn't want to think about it. So Boba's kind of the same way here. He's like, nope, not letting these clones survive. Then we get to the end of The Force Unleashed 2. Boba's watching as all of the Vader and Starkiller fights go down. I won't spoil the end of uh, that game for you, but Rom Koda is fighting Boba a little bit, and he's winning. Boba's winning somehow until... Proxy, the coolest part of the Force Unleashed. He's a droid that can like shift his appearance into anything. Uh, he takes the form of Jango Fett. So he's like simulating Jango Fett and he's fighting Boba Fett. So it's Jango versus Boba. Uh, Boba drops like a mini seismic charge or sonic charge that deafens and EMPs the area and then he jetpacks away. So that's how he gets out of it. But like it was a pretty cool scene. Like they're headbutting each other with Mando armor. I guess technically Jango's wasn't. Mando armor because it was a projection that the droid made, but Boba then gets a good vantage point and sees that Starkiller is standing over a defeated Vader. And Boba's like, with a sniper scope, like on Starkiller, like, I have to kill Starkiller, that's my job, but he's like, he's rooting for him to kill Vader. Uh, because, like, he and Starkiller, they're very alike, they're clones. Starkiller doesn't, obviously, like, the whole Star Wars trilogy has to take place. Uh, Boba has Starkiller in his sights. He's like, okay, well then I gotta kill then he sees him and Juno kiss, uh, Starkiller and Juno kiss, and Boba takes off his helmet and cries. Cries in the rain on Kamino. Boba Fett crying. I think I said in one of my Boba Fett breakdown reaction videos that it was really powerful to see Boba Fett cry on screen, and this is another place where he's crying. So These Force Unleashed games and this comic are just like action-packed, just crazy time, but like it also had some really good Boba moments. Um, that I really enjoyed. So that was from 2010. If you're going to read any of these Legend comics, I think that one was probably the, mo the most fun, at least for me. So I recommend that one. Yeah. 2010 already gave us one really good Boba story. It gives us another as well. Multiple issues called Blood Ties by Tom Taylor, art by Chris Scalf, lettered by Michael Heisler. 
Django and Boba Fett. It opens with Boba surrounded by blasters and a rancor, and he says, I am not afraid. I have known true fear. A flashback starts, and it's Django and little Boba. Django straps a jetpack, his jetpack, to Boba, sprays him with the scent of a monstrous prey, and then sends him into the monster's den and says, bring me back a tooth. Boba does it. It's off screen. It's from Django's perspective. But then Django says, you just faced the most terrifying thing in the galaxy. You need never fear again. Which, okay, I don't think that's how it works. I think if he faced that same monster again, he would still be afraid. Um, but maybe Boba's a tougher guy than I am. And who knows better than how to train Boba than Django, because they're literally the same person. So I won't judge. In this flashback, Dooku calls and says a target has info about Kamino that cannot get into the wrong hands. You gotta gotta take this guy out. So Django accepts the job. They they go to this planet. There are air traffic controllers that are trying to shake down Django as he's coming in. Django has none of it. Explodes their ships. Kind of a a fun, just ruthless fet moment. Django has Boba snipe the target, uh, but it's a non-critical hit. Boba kind of misses. Django busts in, gut shots the dude, loses his helmet in the process. Then the bounty takes off his helmet, and it's another clone it's a clone Django. this clone left the army and wanted a life so if you've seen the clone wars and or just the one episode of the bad batch it's very cut laquane uh he was a clone deserter that left the clone army and just went and lived a simple life on a farm so similar similar uh story here might have happened around the same time if clone wars started in 2008 this is 2010 Django kills the guy um the clone's wife rushes in with a baby named Connor Freeman. And then the baby says, Da! to Django, because they look alike. It's very sad. The wife is confused. She knows that her husband's dead, but like, why does this guy have the same face? But the fact that she's confused gives uh, Django enough confidence to just say, okay, she doesn't understand. She doesn't know about Camino. I don't have to kill her. Very boba in that he's not just killing anyone, like anyone and everyone. He's killing people that get in the way of him getting his money, um, and she does not. She's not a threat to Dooku's operation. Django's affected by this. He hates, like I said in the last one, he hates facing the reality of the clone situation. Um, but he gets back to Boba, says, hey, we don't make this business personal. He lets Boba pilot out. Boba can tell us something's wrong, but Django says, yeah, we'll, we'll talk later. I, I feel like they had a pretty open relationship about things, like... Janko would share stuff about the job because he wants Boba to become a better bounty hunter, but um, yeah, I guess not everything he was willing to talk about. Um, and then we cut to Boba in the now timeline, and he says, yeah, my dad was murdered by a madman before uh, they could talk about it. So, Mace Windu, the madman. Boba says, I would have killed the man who took my father from me, Mace Windu, but this too was taken from me. So, ho, ho, ho. Imagine if Mace Windu survives and we get to see that. Like, even Boba now in the Book of Boba Fett, like, if Mace Windu showed up, he would go feral. Like, we've seen him mature a lot, but, yeah, Mace Windu, that's that's a step too far. I don't want Mace Windu to show up, but I'm just saying it would be awesome, and I would love it, but I don't want it. You know what I mean? I don't want it, but I would love it. I want it. I want it. We're in the now timeline. Windu's long gone, but... My anger remains. He still has a lot of anger, I would say. We still see a lot of anger from Boba Fett in the Book of Boba Fett as well. 
Uh, Boba meets with his bounty boss and his banker, which, first of all, maybe not a good idea to let your employer be your banker. Uh, but this banker guy tells Boba that somebody named Connor Freeman emptied his account and Django had been depositing into it. Boba's like, uh, okay, uh, does he have a bounty on him? Let me hunt him down. He had, like, a small bounty on him. So he's like, all right, yeah. I don't care this is a small bounty. I want to figure out what's going on with this. Why was my dad paying somebody, depositing money into his account? Like, yeah, I'd like to know about that. We cut to Connor, Connor Freeman. So this is the, the baby from the flashback. The League of Bounty Hunters is after him. This is kind of a funny little group. There's like 10 of them, and they're all going after one low-level bounty. So I don't know how much each of them is getting paid, but it seems pretty p- pathetic from Boba's standpoint. Boba gets him first. Bosk was there. I don't think he was part of this League of Bounty Hunters, but he's like, yeah, there's like 11 bounty hunters here. I'm not getting it, so Boss just leaves. Boba thinks Connor's Django's son. Connor thinks that his own dad left his inheritance. They kind of exchange information, figure it out. Connor roasts Django um, about how he killed his father or something like that, how he was scum. Boba gets pissed. They fight. The League of Bounty Hunters shows up again, the ones that survived the uh, the fight with Boba Fett. Um, the hunters kind of knock out Boba. He's shot in the gut, um, but he, he's fine because Boba's Boba. He's indestructible. And the hunters take Connor to the like bounty boss, this original madman. The next section is called, How Do You Make a Dead Man Proud? It's reflection that you're seeing from Boba's perspective and Connor's perspective at the same time. It's pretty cute. Um, Boba takes back Connor at the bounty's door. So these, the League of Bounty Hunters basically transported the bounty all the way to the boss, but then Boba comes in and takes it at the last second. We learn why Connor has a bounty out on his head. He gambled away all of Django's money that he was giving him, and he won it back, but the, the dude that he was going up against claimed that he cheated. And um, But Boba does, isn't here in any of this. He's like, I don't care. I always collect. Like, someone has a bounty out on you, I am going to collect that bounty. Like, that's how I operate. But when Boba gets to the guy, he's like, I'll pay off Connor's debt. So I think he wants the bounty, but then says, hey, don't hurt this guy. Like, he tries to do something that he doesn't usually do. The dude declines. Connor then is like, hey, Boba, like, I've got three credits in my pocket. Here's three credits. Kill that guy. Like I said in the last episode, Boba's like a fairy godmother, or maybe Dobby from, from Harry Potter. You give him a sock, you give him three credits, he'll... he'll He'll be loyal to you forever. Uh, that's not exactly how Dobby works, but you, 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 you get what I'm talking about here. Uh, Boba kills the guy. Boba kill. Uh, then they free a Rancor to cover their escape. The last League hunter, the last of this League of Bounty Hunters, uh, stops them, but Boba beats him up, straps a jetpack to his back, and then launches the guy into the Rancor's mouth, killing the Rancor. So, huh, we just saw the Book of Boba Fett, and Rancor are highly intelligent species like we can't be blowing them up and killing them and then boba walks up to the rancor and rips out a tooth says i collect them for someone and then boba and connor part ways boba's got some daddy issues maybe he's not always been the animal lover that we know and love since he just brutally killed that rancor but yeah i think this was a really solid comic book and i really enjoyed the like joint timelines of Django fett and boba fett and that's it's kind of what I expected from the book of Boba Fett. We didn't exactly get it that way. We got some glimpses of young Boba, but maybe we'll get more of that in season two or the Bad Batch. Or I, I, I just love Boba Fett. I love what we got in the show. I love what we're getting in these comics, but 
Oh, I want to see it in live action. I want to see all of young Boba content. I want to see his whole life. I want to see his his whole life. I also want to see his actual death because if he went out like a chump in the Sarlacc, how are they actually going to kill him off? Because they have to like make it worth him coming back to life. It could be a really cool way, or it could be like. He has a family. Maybe he reunites with a long-lost sister or something like that. Maybe he meets somebody, maybe Fennec, and starts a family, and we get to see him live out a happy life, whatever that looks like for a, a clone. But wait, there's more. There's more Blood Ties. This one came out two years later in 2012. It's called Blood Ties. Boba Fett is dead. It was created by the same people. Um, there's these Zabrak characters that are talking about how Boba died. There's a picture, or I guess a hollow, of a gaping hole in Boba's helmet. And then this is like on the TV, the hollow screens, Connor Freeman's in his bar and he's, he's grieving. He's watching this on TV and being like, oh yeah, I, I grew to like that Boba guy. Um, then we get this mystery man that starts taking out the Zabraks. That was it. And he's asking about the Fett hit. And he learns that it was a stormtrooper commander that hired them. The mystery man then kicks this trooper off of a dewback and lets his own dewback eat him. Uh, before he lets the dewback eat him, uh, he gets the next name. Storm Commando Officer Mac. Connor is identified as a suspect because this, this guy was going around with like an ID that said Connor Freeman. Um, so I guess that's the, the chain code that we see in like Bad Batch and The Mandalorian. Maybe that's the Legends version of a chain code because I don't know. What are they driving around with driver's license? I don't know what how they're identifying these people so because connor was attached to this connor gets captured uh, he's got one arm i think the way he got captured like they bombed his bar he lost an arm in the process so he's healing in a back to tank dr evazan is there that character from original star wars that's with ponda baba who loses an arm uh, he had been trash talking luke saying my friend here doesn't like you i don't like you either that guy uh, he's got like weird eyeball a lot going on with his face. He's like an original mod mod parlor guy that we saw in the book of Boba Fett. Like he does creepy science experiments. He's like the Star Wars mad scientist. Like you go to him if you need some crazy operation done. There's a stormtrooper with Dr. Evazan. So once uh, Connor is all healed up, the stormtrooper escorts him out and uh, he removes his helmet and it's Boba. So then we get a Boba flashback about how he survived. Boba fell in a hole chasing a bounty because other bounty hunters were hunting him. Uh, he puts the bounty in his armor and then shoots shoots him in the head and then launches the, the body in the, the armor with the jetpack into the air. So then they shoot this dead body full of holes and that's how it made he made it seem like he was dead. So anytime we can fake Boba's death after him almost dying in the Sarlacc is good content. Then we see Concord Dawn. Boba and Connor go there. Uh, it's in Mandalorian space. He drops Connor off to protect Sintas Vel. Sintas Vel we'll learn more about in a minute. But like I said, maybe he settles down with somebody in canon. This is who he settles down with in Legends. So Boba's still trying to take out the guys that ordered the hit on him. So he just left Connor with his family on Concord Dawn. Um, and then goes to like this Imperial base. He has a run-in with Vader. Um, after Boba like crashes a ship into like a, a radio tower, Vader's like asking the stormtroopers around like, "Hey, what's up with that? Like, what happened here?" He's investigating it, um, and apparently Boba's able to trick him. He's strong-minded enough to like say what happened and 
push push Vader away. So they didn't fight or anything. It was just he smooth talked him. Boba ends up kidnapping this officer and steals a shuttle. Uh, now we cut to Connor Freeman. Sintas Vel is there. Uh, she has a daughter. She's defending her home from raiders. Connor reads the daughter bedtime stories, and Sintas Vel is like, "Oh, Connor, you're such a good guy." Then they kiss, and it seems like it's because he reminds her of her husband. And Connor didn't know this at the time, but uh, he he learned that he's with Boba's wife. There's like a hollow projection. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a family portrait of those three. That's great. Then we find out the hit was ordered by the governor of Concord Dawn. And the governor of Concord Dawn is not just after Boba, but he's after his whole family. So Connor's there with his family, and Connor has to defend the home. Uh, I guess what happened is Boba was a journeyman protector, so like a Mandalorian warrior. He was exiled from Concord Dawn after killing a man. He killed the son of the governor. That's the backstory. The governor breaches the house, Connor and Vel then flee to the basement, and the daughter, they all flee to the basement. Slave One shows up and distracts the bad guys for a little bit, that's Boba coming back. The governor's now in the basement with Connor and Vel, and he's talking about how, oh, Boba did all this to me, oh, oh he killed my beautiful son, and then Sintas Vel is like, hey, hey, by the way, here's what your beautiful son did to me, and they don't say it, but they say it, that... Um, Boba had every right to kill that guy, so um, Boba defended her honor. Um, Connor brings Boba the governor's tooth. He's like, I killed a monster. I heard you collect teeth of monsters. It was pretty good. Boba asks Connor about how his daughter's doing. Daughter's name is Aelin, uh, and he says, she has our eyes. So that, was a, that was a cute story. Um, I would love to see Boba have a family at some point, because we're finding that he wants like a, a found family with Fennec and Chrysanthemum and the Mod Gang, all his friends that he made along the way, but I also want to see him have a traditional family as well. Like, he's become a good guy, he's protecting the town, like, let's, let's give him as much happiness as possible, uh, just so Star Wars can rip it away again, and uh, there's there can be more tragedy, because what is Star Wars if not tragedy? And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the last legends boba story so after this after 2012 comics kind of shut down a little bit they transferred back over to marvel because disney was bought by star wars and keeping it in the family marvel marvel studios marvel comics was already owned by disney at that point so the rights went from dark horse to marvel they kind of reset found some new creators and then they started pumping out comics in 2015 uh, these comics then are considered canon in the Star Wars universe, which is really exciting and something that Marvel Comics doesn't even do for like their superhero stuff, like the MCU. You're not going to be able to go to the store and buy a comic book that has just as much weight as a Marvel movie. But no, you can go to the store and buy a Star Wars comic, and the story has just as much weight as a Star Wars movie. Um, of course, they retcon things from the comics sometimes when they need to. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on the Yoda's lightsaber episode. Uh, and how th that lightsaber was destroyed in one of these comic books, but for the book of Boba Fett, they're like, yeah, let's let's have let's have Yoda's lightsaber. It fits the story. It will, it's going to offset something that happened in a comic book, but it's it's for the betterment of the Star Wars saga. So let's do it. I really like the current canon Star Wars comics. Boba appears a lot in them as well. I think we're hitting a good time for this episode, so I'll probably save those for. A part three of the Boba comic saga, and uh, we can we can uh, pick that back up in a week or two. 
So thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Star Wars Skinny. You can find me on Twitter at Star Wars Skinny. Getting up to like 40 followers there, so in under a month, that's not bad. You can also find me on TikTok at DroopyMcCool35. Haven't posted a ton since I started a podcast. That's been taking up all of my talking time. Uh, I can crack all my jokes on here. I don't have to go to uh, TikTok after all the Boba episodes drop and make my funnies. I can do that on Twitter or I can do it on my podcast. So it's really fun having like a long form thing like this. So yeah, thanks for listening. And... (laughs) 